and Jeanette is forced to grow up a little bit in this circumstance. I mean, who wants to sew up their dad's arm when they're, you know, 10 or 12 years old? It's not ideal. Welcome to Book Therapy. I'm your host, Kim Patton. There's no way to count how many books are floating around in this world. Some are decent, some are truly terrible, and some are great. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into one great book. Together, we will discover gems of truth and encouragement to help you face your current season of life. I'm ready. You're ready. Let's get this party started. Hello, hello, friends. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I'm very excited to conclude our very long two-part series on fathers and daughters. Last week, we talked about The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak, which was a historical novel. And this week, we are talking about a memoir. So hope you enjoy it. Let's dive into the book. Today we are completing the father-daughter series with a memoir by Jeanette Walls titled The Glass Castle. She published this in 2005, which is actually the same year that The Book Thief was published. Shameless plug, that is part one of this series. If you haven't listened to it, I hope you can go back and enjoy it. The Glass Castle is a top memoir coming-of-age story, and it also is a movie. I believe that the movie represented the book well. In fact, I watched the movie very carefully to see if they put my favorite scene in there. And when the scene started, I was holding my breath thinking, is, are, are they going to do it? Is this it? And then it was amazing. It was just like I was reading the book for the first time. And that scene with the father and the daughter made me fall in love with the book all over again. The main character is Jeanette, and we're going to talk about her family, but focus on her relationship with her father, Rex. The book opens with Jeanette married, working, and living in a nice apartment in New York. She spots her mom on the side of the road, rummaging through trash. She says on page four, After ducking down in the taxi so mom wouldn't see me, I hated myself, hated my antiques, my clothes, and my apartment. I had to do something, so I called a friend of mom's and left a message. It was our system of staying in touch. It always took mom a few days to get back to me, but when I heard from her, she sounded, as always, cheerful and casual as though we had lunch the day before. This sets the scene for not only how the family dynamics work, but also the parents' choices and their specific attitudes and character and way of life. But mainly, it really shows the grit and the perseverance of Jeanette and also the turmoil that's going on in her heart because she has such a strong connection to her family, but yet she does not agree with the choices that her parents have made. Who is the family? The father's name is Rex, his wife is Rosemary, and the four children are Lori, Brian, Jeanette, and Maureen. We're going to take a look at three homes that Jeanette shares with her father in some way. I hesitate to call them homes because, as you'll find out in this poverty-stricken story, not all the homes are safe and even homey. The first thing we have to consider is what the title of the book is. What is the glass castle? On page 25, Jeanette tells us, All of dad's engineering skills and mathematical genius were coming together in one special project, a great big house he was going to build for us in the desert. It would have a glass ceiling and thick glass walls and even a glass staircase. The glass castle would have solar cells on the top that would catch the sun's rays and convert them into electricity for heating and cooling and running all the appliances. It would even have its own water purification system. 
Dad had worked out the architecture and the floor plans and most of the mathematical calculations. He carried around the blueprints for the glass castle wherever we went, and sometimes he'd pull them out and let us work on the design for our rooms. This sounds great, right? This dad is a dreamer, but not only a dreamer, Rex has engineering skills. He has the mind of a mathematician. He's said to be a genius. He's also an entrepreneur, and so he's very independent, and he doesn't necessarily agree with how the world is running things. He wants to run his own show, and therefore he has terrible people skills. He can't really hold down a job, and even though he's incredibly gifted as a person and he's very charming, he's not able to fulfill the basic necessities of everyday life. We see the collision of Rex's choices and his daughter Jeanette in the first few pages of the book when she relives her earliest memory. It says on page 9, I was three years old and we were living in a trailer park in a southern Arizona town. I was standing on a chair in front of the stove wearing a pink dress my grandmother had bought for me. Pink was my favorite color. The dress's skirt stuck out like a tutu and I liked to spin around in front of the mirror thinking I looked like a ballerina. But at that moment, I was wearing the dress to cook hot dogs, watching them swell and bob in the boiling water as the late morning sunlight filtered in through the trailer's small kitchen window. When I stood up and started stirring the hot dogs again, I felt a blaze of heat on my right side. I turned to see where it was coming from and realized my dress was on fire. Frozen with fear, I watched the yellow-white flames make a ragged brown line up the pink fabric of my skirt and climb my stomach. Then the flames leaped up, reaching my face. She was only three years old and cooking herself lunch on a chair in front of a stove, her mother nearby, when she caught on fire. She has scars of this incident to this day. And what we see happen in the hospital is that her father does not want her there. He talks badly to the nurses. He blames the system. He makes excuses. He laughs it off. He doesn't fully engage with his daughter in her trauma and he picks her up and runs out of the hospital, frankly. That's how it ends. What do we learn about Jeanette with this? We learn that she is tough. She is hopeful and a little bit naive. She trusts her parents to take care of her. And if they don't, she believes that there's a really good reason why not. We see that she's optimistic, but at the same time, as she gets older, she really begins to doubt and come into her own and figure out that what is happening is not right and that she wants no part of it. But it takes her a really long time to get there. And throughout her childhood, we see her develop this relationship with her father that always believes the best about him, even though his performance is the opposite. Jeanette and her family move around a lot, but one place they land, and this is the second home that we'll talk about, is Welch and Little Hobart Street. We find that she's here for quite a while with her family, although they kind of skip around to different homes, and it can get a little confusing because they're constantly being run out of places, and so they have to find a new place to live. And the places that they live are not great and not safe, and they're not often there very long, and if they are, they have many seasons of no electricity, um, very cold winters with you know, frozen pipes where they're not even getting heat at night. It's very obvious that the poverty has totally overtaken their life. She painfully talks about living near garbage um, on page 165. She's getting in a fight with a neighborhood friend and there's a realization that she comes to. 
She says, I tried to think of a comeback to his comeback, but my mind seized up because what Ernie had said was true. We did live in garbage. Ernie stuck his face in mine. Garbage. You live in garbage because you are garbage. I shoved him good and hard, then turned to the other kids, hoping for backup. But they were easing away and looking down, as if they were ashamed to have been caught playing with a girl who had a garbage pit next to her house. This was one of the realities that she lived with. Not only did they not always have electricity or food on the table, but they didn't get their garbage picked up. And they didn't have good clothes. They didn't have lunches. They were severely lacking. And while this is a sad story, Jeanette does a great job focusing on the relationship she has with her family, her siblings, how they stuck together through this, how they fought for each other, the hurdles that they overcame, the laughter that they shared, even admits their parents making kind of crazy decisions and labeling it as being adventurous. They were able to stick together, even have a little fun, and somehow keep going in school without giving up. I mean, these kids didn't give up. Rex is a complicated person. He does not make great choices. There's alcohol and cigarettes uh, every day, all day sometimes. Also, he gets into fights. He picks fights. He stays out for days at a time, doesn't come home to his family, uses the any money that they have for himself. And in one story, we see Jeanette interacting with him when he gets home really late with a wound. On page 169, Jeanette says, One night that summer when I was lying in bed and everyone else was asleep, I heard the front door open and the sound of someone muttering and stumbling around in the darkness. Dad had come home. I got in a fight with a mountain, he said, and the mountain won. When I lit the kerosene lamp, I saw that Dad also had a big gash in his right forearm and a cut on his head so deep that I could see the white of his skull. I got a toothpick and tweezers and picked the rocky grit out of the gash. Dad didn't wince when I poured rubbing alcohol on the wound. She goes on to say she sewed up the gash on his arm. He asked her to. The interesting part about this scene is that he's so tender with Jeanette. He has a nickname for her. He calls her Mountain Goat because she, I don't know, is a good rock climber or something. <laughs> and of course, all good dads have a, have a nickname for their daughters. So that part is touching. But also, he encourages her while she's sewing up his arm. I mean, he's not wincing at the pain. He's not angry. And Jeanette is forced to grow up a little bit in this circumstance. I mean, who wants to sew up their dad's arm when they're, you know, 10 or 12 years old? It's not ideal. But you can't deny this little bit of connection between father and daughter. And you see how Jeanette has a soft spot for him. How... Yeah, he makes stupid choices, and it affects the whole family negatively, but he's so charming, and he's so sweet, and he's very loving to her at moments that she can get lost in it. Another one of those times is when he takes his kids outside to look at the stars. This scene is rich in dialogue. It's just Jeanette and her father going back and forth, talking about the stars, talking about planets, and the ironic thing is he talks about how when you move into the city, there's so many buildings and there's so many people and there's so much fog and smog that you can't even see the stars. And we'll see near the end of the book that she ends up in New York City. And he's, he's right. Jeanette and her dad are looking at the stars and she chooses a planet. And he gives her the planet. It's a beautiful gift. It's a beautiful conversation. 
it's what every child needs is connection and education and warmth and laughter and silliness. And I think that's what Jeanette has to hold on to when she thinks about her father is these moments where he showed her the stars. Third, we see how New York comes into this family's story. Jeanette is able to get through school and she moves to New York. She says goodbye to her father and her two younger siblings and she goes to New York to work and make a new life. One thing that particularly stuck out to me was what she did when she got to New York after living a life of poverty. It says on page 247, the very next day I landed a job at a hamburger joint. The lunch and dinner rushes were always exciting with the lines backing up at the counter, the cashiers shouting orders over the microphones, everyone running from the fixings counters to the drink stations to the infrared fries warmer, staying on top of the orders, the manager jumping in to help whenever a crisis cropped up. We got 20% off on our meals and for the first few weeks there, I had a cheeseburger and a chocolate milkshake every day for lunch. Can you imagine? There were some mornings when all the f- all that was in their house for four kids was butter and a little lump of sugar. I mean, these kids were starving. So when Jeanette is an adult on her own, able to work hard for her food, it's got to feel like heaven. After Jeanette and her sister are working in New York and getting settled, moving on with their lives, eventually the rest of the family comes, including their parents. The problem is it doesn't really go so well, and it ends up that the mom and the dad are out on the street living a life of homelessness. On page 255, we really get a glimpse of what this mom is like and how she views life. Jeanette says, you can't just live like this. Why not, mom said. Being homeless is an adventure. Jeanette's parents never really viewed their situation as entirely negative. In some cases, they took action to make things better for the family, but mostly you see the parents living out a selfish life and the kids suffering the consequences of that. And that continues in New York. Jeanette is struggling to let go of the family, but also, again, these strong ties of family keep them tethered together. At the end of the book, we see Rex get sick. I love to hear Jeanette talk about her relationship with her dad because it begs the question, is Rex a good guy? Is Rex a good father? I can't imagine being Jeanette and trying to answer that question because while he made terrible choices... He's still her father. He's who she looked up to when she was little. It should make us think. It should make us think about who people are. Are they the sum of their worst mistakes? Have they caused so much pain that it's irreversible? Is all life valuable? Is all life worthy? So we talked about the dream of the glass castle, which never came to fruition, as you can probably guess. We talked about the poverty of little Hobart Street, and Welch, and the continuing story in New York City. On page 286, Jeanette talks about her relationship with her second husband. It says, when I first showed him my scar, he said it was interesting. He used the word textured. He said smooth was boring, but textured was interesting, and the scar meant that I was stronger than whatever it was that had tried to hurt me. I believe that quote represents Jeanette. She is strong. She is tough. Things tried to hurt her. Things did hurt her, but in the end, as she continues this relationship with her family 
and as we end this book, we see the whole picture and we see Jeanette's full character and strength. Thank you so much for listening again to another episode of Book Therapy. We talked about The Glass Castle by Jeanette Walls. Tune in next time for some more book therapy. See you then. Thunder, feel the thunder. Lightning and the thunder. Boom, boom.